trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the science on lockdowns and liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the pandemic data and analytics organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates, follow the science on lockdowns and liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the liberty movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that pique his interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Friday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, in fact, your humble host, Brian Nichols. And uh, number one, thank you to our, our good friend and marketing extraordinaire, Chris Goizetta. He took the uh, the reins there back on Thursday's solo episode. How do you build relationships with total strangers? Well, if you missed the answer to that question, make sure you go back to yesterday's episode. But today we are answering the question, and that is, what what happened to New York City the day that New York City died? One Jeffrey Tucker says that day is March 12th, and he dug into uh, the wrecking of New York City and asks the question, was it by accident or design in response to the COVID-19 pandemic? Jeffrey's answer, you'll just have to wait to find out. With that being said, on to the show, Jeffrey Tucker, here on The Brian Nichols Show. My pleasure to be here. I'm Absolutely. grateful to be here. Right? I'm I mean, so glad you're here. We're, well, we're also glad to be alive. I'm like, yes. we're, survi- we're survivors. I say this to everybody these days. We're survivors. We made it. I know. I, well, I mean, fast forward. Let's see. We are ni- Is it 19 months that we are now into this global Ooh. pandemic? Or I think technically we're at endemic level. Correct if I'm wrong. Am I wrong there? Well, I don't know. It's a matter of science. I... I are we endemic? Are we at endemicity? I, you know, 
Uh, some places are, some places are not. So it, it all depends. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but it doesn't matter for the policy. It doesn't matter if it's pandemic, endemic. Uh, we need doctor-patient uh, relationships, not states and politicians and bureaucrats bullying us all the time it, it, as if they know what they're doing. They don't. Yeah, you know, first it was like, close your business. Oh, now it's like, yeah. don't go to church. Don't don't allow your kids in school. Put on a mask. Walk around with that nut, nutty thing for a long time. Don't travel. Don't interact with anybody who's not uh, within your realm. Actually, stay away from people, really. Move out of the city. Just shut down. Stay at home. Stay safe. That's how you're. Uh, uh, that's how you protect the public. But get your groceries delivered, you know, by by somebody, you know, about whom we care nothing because he can get the disease. He can be our sandbag for the uh, for the virus. While I uh, just enjoy myself at home watching Netflix, and that's a good break. And oh, here's wow, here's a couple thousand dollars from the government. You know, that's surprise. I know. Well, and this is the part that people, I think we're starting to see people waking up. I, I hope I'm seeing more people starting to ask more questions, which we Maybe. need to start seeing. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of people overtly avoided asking questions for fear yeah. of being told, you want grandma to die, don't you? And now it's I, what we, you don't want to keep yourself safe from you. I think that's the argument they're making now. Um, no, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. You want grandma to die? No, it was that you want your delivery uh, person to die. The person who's delivering your groceries to die. I mean, better him than you, right? That's why the ruling class thought it's like okay, you're an essential worker. Go out and do your job. I, on the other hand, because of a certain level of social class and economic advancement or whatever, have the luxury, and also because of my wonderful laptop, which I quite like, I will enjoy sitting on my sofa and I will make the great social sacrifice of, of declining to go to work for, for a time. Maybe it's two weeks, maybe it's two months, maybe it's two years. I don't know, but, you know, but I'm that good a person. I'm just not going to, going to go to work at all <laughs> so, so that people can, so that society can be better off. Now, now, who's delivering the groceries to the grocery stores? Like, how is it that I can go to um, uh, to the Kroger, to the Big Y, whatever, and, and get meat and vegetables and that sort of thing? Like, who, is anybody bringing those? No, no. No, those are just magically appear. Just poof. Uh, yeah, those are... What happens if you get sick? Oh, those people, uh, well, I guess they just hang out. There's some people that hang out at the hospitals, you know. What if my ha house uh, uh, starts on fire? Oh, those people will come anyway, you know. that's They're essential workers. But wait, are they getting, exp getting exposed to the coronavirus, to, to, to SARS-CoV-2? Yeah, maybe, but, you know, that's that's okay because, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're them and we're us, you know. Our well, job. we saw that was on full display. Um, what was it? Two days ago? A day ago? We're recording here on uh, the the twenty first. The Emmys. Um, you saw the the ruling class maskless indoors, yeah. and the help mm -hmm. masked up, and, and it, yeah, it really the, was a uh, stark difference. Yeah, the Met Gala, but that's that's going on all over the country, and and actually, you know, God bless the working class because they're getting fed up with it, right? So, one of the reasons why ho hospitality industry and restaurants are failing to to attract employees anymore, they can't get them, is because of the mask mandates. Now, people would rather work for delivery services because they don't have to mask up in their cars and and on their bicycles. So they don't have to uh, feel as if they're uh, supplicants and uh, 
just agents of the, of the of the government, you know, just obsequious uh, slaves. So that's why they're going to work for these delivery companies. It, it's not all, not just supply and demand. It's also just a matter of personal pride. So no, employees do not want to be masked up while they help. You know, the help does not want to be masked up while the the customers are unmasked. It's 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 disgusting. We've got a new caste system, and you know what's extraordinary about this? I mean, I just find the whole thing amazing. We've recreated the old system of working class, ruling class distinctions um, in the name of, I guess you would call it like left-wing ideology. I'm, I'm not entirely sure I understand where it comes from, but, it, but it's proven to me like we now know where the feudal system came from. We know where uh, the caste system came from. We know where you know, the slaveocracy of the South came from. It's all a matter of like slicing and dicing the population according to who is clean and who is dirty. We know this now, right? In our entire lives, uh, right? We've never known that there was this sort of weird impulse within the structure of, of the social order to, to divide people according to clean and dirty, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Um, Worthy of contracting the virus, worthy of cleanliness, you know, worthy of staying away from it. We, I, I don't think I knew that. I mean, I don't. In fact, I'm sure I didn't know that. This turns out to be like a primal impulse. People ultimately default back to their uh, tribal uh, associations. You know, who, who are my people? And we, where we, do yeah, I yeah, yes, yes, yes. We talked about we that last time on the show. Um, um, collectivism, collectivism in America. In America. Um, and I'm getting a little bit of echo there. There we go. That was better. I'm not sure what's happened there. Um, but no, uh, collectivism in America. We talked about this. Actually, no, it was your first time on the show, Jeffrey. Um, and we mm. talked about how important what, what, it is. When was that, to, by the way? Uh, oh, my goodness. 2018, I think it was. I actually just did a rear. Oh. Yeah, I did a rear of it um, back a few weeks back. I'll make sure I reshare it so you can check it out. Um, mm. Because you, you focused on specifically how we saw this as you drift more and more into this collectivist mindset. It inherently mm -hmm. starts to to split people apart into to, you know mm -hmm. splitting them from you know who is the good versus the bads right and we're oh, seeing this right yeah. yeah okay now I get it so you're talking about the Schmidtian worldview so this is you're right about this right so I I saw this happening right so um, 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 in 2016 after 2016 2015 this the politics of division the politics of them and us. Right, so it's like the enemy versus the friend. This is uh, Carl Schmidt uh, from 1936, 34. Um, uh, yeah, his great book, great evil book, um, on the topic, and he be became a you know major. He was a communist, then became a Nazi. But but actually, his 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 book is very much worth reading about the friend enemy distinction. But you're right. You and I, I, I saw this back in 2015, 2016, right? So we, we began to uh, do this with under, under Trump, right? Just like them versus us, you know, the, um, country doesn't matter. Countries, language, races, you know, it doesn't matter. And actually Carl Schmidt himself said that. He's like, who's the friend who the, who's the enemy? He says, it doesn't matter as long as, as long as there is an enemy, however you define it. Well, here we are now in 2021, and we know who the enemy is. It's the unvaccinated, right? So, well, amazing. 
let's talk about your your latest article because this goes right into what's happening in taking the the war on the the, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated and you're mm. applying it to policy new york mm. city which was at one point the shining beacon on a hill of what it could be to be you know a, a city in america and now it's a shell of its former self and you just wrote an article over the brown student uh, institute the wrecking of new york city accident or design so jeffrey right. what's the premise of uh, of this accident or design well, for one thing, I wanted to, to draw attention to the fact that it's happening, right? So how is it happening that one of the world's greatest cities, if not the world's greatest city, uh, gets destroyed? Like, you know, like a third of the storefronts in, in uh, uh, midtown Manhattan are, are, are empty. Millions of people left and they're not returning. Uh, it's, it's, anyway, it's catastrophe. New York is just a c- catastrophic situation. Soho is empty. You know, uh, anybody who had the means, you know, has already gotten out. Um, it's, it's really a tragic situation. The subways are filled with signs, wear a mask, don't talk to anybody. Like this is the, you know, New York City. So let's at least acknowledge this. Like Brian, think about it. Like five years ago, if New York had been emptied out, destroyed, you know, a third of businesses, half of businesses, re- retail businesses fleeing for their lives. Would that, would that have been news? I would think so. Um, today, I'm one of the few people actually writing about it. Like, how does this happen? So anyway, I, yeah, I wrote this grim article about the situation in New York. And I was there, right? I mean, I was there on March 12th. I think I've talked about this before, but I was, I was there. And I had a sense, I was meeting a couple of friends, you know, for Broadway tickets and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, jazz concerts. And that night on March 12th uh, was Trump's speech, blocking all travel, which he did at the urging of Fauci and Burks and so on. Um, so yeah, I saw the entire place like in scrambling. It was a very, very strange moment for me personally to be in New York on March 12th, which I, w- I would consider the, you know, the last day of New York. I mean, people were leaving, people were panicking, people had a sense that lockdowns were coming, they didn't know what to do, they were hunkered down in the bars, they were drinking themselves silly, they had a, it was a, it was an apocalypse, truly, I can't even describe it to you, I tried to in my article today, but I can't quite describe it, it was apocalyptic. It was like, what people do before the apocalypse, you <laughs> that sort of thing. And that's what was going on in New York that day, people running across streets very hurriedly, yeah, they always do that in New York but not like this. It was just different. It was a sense of like something bad's happening. I can tell you that bad something was not the virus. It was the response to the virus. That's what was driving New York uh, crazy at that point. That evening, uh, Trump announced um, that he, on his own initiative, would no longer allow flights from Europe or Australia or New Zealand or, yeah, a lot of places in the world. So the world shut down. Liberalism ended that day, March 12th. Uh, March 16th, he called for everybody to stay home, uh, for the schools to shut, the churches to shut, everything to shut down. He said, two weeks, two weeks. Two weeks later, he said, another two weeks, and so on it went. But um, now here we are a year and a half later. New York is in shambles, absolute shambles. Broadway is trying to come back with a vaccine mandate. 11 out of 15 restaurants, by the way, in New York, that those that survive and only half survive, 
uh, are not enforcing this absurd ba vaccine mandate. So God bless them. You know, so there's a, we've, we've got a kind of despotic anarchy going on right now. On one hand, the police state is running everything. On the other hand, nobody gives a shit, you know? <laughs> well, you, you mentioned just how bad it got in New York in your article. One of the lines you said, the old signs demanded a full face covering, staying away from people. The new sign demands that people on the subway not speak to each other. Instead, instructive the sign people should just look at their phones, detach from society, be a big alienated collective stop with normal life forever. And right there, that last line stuck with me. Stop with normal life forever. That seems to be, Jeffrey, the, the end game for a lot of the, the lockdowners, the, the, the crowd that I think right. we listened to, to your point that the Fauciians, the Burks of the world that we said, okay, we'll do the two weeks, the, the 15 days to slow the spread, right? We're at like what 550 something at this point. So the, the idea that and now we see a lot of epidemiologists saying, yeah, I'm not going to let my kids go outside until we get to zero COVID. And that is impossible. That is literally stopping normal life forever. Brian, we have to come to terms with this. I, I don't know what went wrong with, 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 with the world that we lost track of how it works, right? But we did at some point. We live amidst pathogens. There are millions of pathogens, billions of them. They're around us all the time. We have a delicate dance with them. We've learned to have human rights and freedom despite them. Uh, there's nothing about public health that can cause them to go away. We have to learn to live with them. We have to acquiesce to endemicity. We have to embrace that as part of the liberal uh, philosophy of life. And um, I don't know what it was, but something about our survival impulse or the primal instinct, you know, just like kicked in, combined with ignorance. People acquiesce to these ridiculous lockdowns and restrictions, which have achieved absolutely nothing. And we knew this from the beginning. I knew it, that these crazy models and separationism and segregationism and the new caste system would achieve nothing in terms of public health, and it hasn't. But so, so here's what led me to write that article, because you hadn't quite gotten to this. Here's what's weird about this. So I'm looking at New York. This great achievement of civilization, this mighty, brilliant city, teeming masses of people in the chaotic coexistence, driven by finance and technology and advance and love for the other, the, the integrationist uh, mentality, just like the city, just the Brilliant, and it, it, it built over 150 years. And we, you know, you've been in New York. You, 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 you're in awe of what the city has achieved, I and mean, it's it's wonderful. And yet now it's being destroyed. The skyscrapers are are empty. Midtown can't get people to rent storefront properties. Millions have left, and they're not coming back. Google just bought a new headquarters there. Congratulations to Google. Okay. Congratulations to you. $2.1 billion for a 1,200-square-foot apartment. Right. So it's a little creepy. But <laughs> but I, I, I look at, at this article that Anthony Fauci wrote in Cell, uh, the journal called Cell. Um, I think it was in July 2020. You should look at this article because it's – it's, it's actually a scary article. I mean, like, I, I, in my article today, I boiled it down because I, I just didn't want to quote the whole thing because it's just so turgid prose and quite tedious. But what he argues is three things. Uh, 
uh, uh, urbanization caused disease spread. International tra travel caused disease spread. And human contact in general causes disease spread. Therefore, we need to get rid of cities, disperse the population out, um, and, uh, and, and, and generally stay away from each other. And, and his prime example of this is cholera, which is just a strange thing to mention. Like cholera is a very bad disease, but what is cholera caused by? Not by international travel and urbanization, or you could say, yeah, maybe. But, um, hold on a second. Um, but, but we, we solved it. We solved cholera through clean water, good sanitation. This is not a problem. We can deal with cholera. It's not a problem. Uh, Fauci seems to think this is still a problem. The only way to deal with it is by ending cities and stopping travel. I mean, like, that's very scary. So I'm looking at New York today. New York's being destroyed. And travels come to an end. We can't travel internationally. So was this uh, accidental or was it intentional? Hmm. Well, you have a another line I want to read. The primitive, uh, the primitive communist view of human life has always detested the city. Think back to Mao's campaign to disperse the population into rural areas and depopulate urban centers. And think about how China daily controls people through technology and propaganda designed to crush individualism. There is that impulse at work among those who created lockdowns and continue their plans for mandates and restrictions. One of the goals, and this is the best part, I, I love this line. One of the goals of creating chaos is to make it impossible to notice details. I mean, that's that's exactly what's happening, because as the important details come out, what's happening, Jeffrey? People are too worried about, oh, my God, am I killing somebody? Am I going to die in, in the chaos of the world, what's going to happen with the restrictions? What mandates coming up next? That they're not looking th at the details, and then the details come out, and it's a big slap in the face. Their entire worldview yeah. has been completely shaped yeah. by a, a fake reality, and it, it is right. technology and propaganda. Does my nine-year-old have to wear a mask to school? Do I have to wear a mask in the CBS? Why is Karen denouncing me at the uh, Big Y today uh, for? walking around the vegetable section without a mask. Uh, can, can I get to Costa Rica? Uh, can my cousin who lives in Paris even come visit me without vaccine? If she has a vaccine, is it the right vaccine? Maybe it's the Russian uh, or Chinese version of the vaccine, which is not acknowledged by America. So she, can she get here? Okay, so these are the things we're thinking about. Wait, should I get a second jab of the J&J? &J? Every day, this is a new headline, you know? Meanwhile, the world's greatest city is being demolished and destroyed, and, and we're paying almost no attention to it whatsoever. So this is what chaos has done. It's, it's, it's distracted us from the important subjects, although I'm sympathetic, like every subject is important these days, like our, our, the loss of liberty. Really, it was just incredible. We lived in a full bathtub, and then one day somebody pulled the plug, and that day was March 12th. Right? Actually, I would say March 8th. But over the course of second two weeks of March, uh, everything fell apart. The world civilization fell apart. We need to put it back together again. Now, the point on the cities, I, I didn't go into, go into it in my article, but we need to understand something that is extremely important. So, like, after the fall of Rome, I'm, I'm going to give a Victorian version of history here, but after the fall of Rome, you know, the Vandals and 
barbarians took over the world, blah, blah, blah. People, you know, people lived very short lives. It was very brutal and very scary. Gradually, we cobbled together feudalism to provide people safety. It wasn't a money economy. It was more like, I'm going to live on your land. I'll give, I'll work your land, and you're going to give me a small plot, and I'll feed my family, and I'll, I'll die fairly young. Once we developed money and civilization and the early stages of capitalism, people got money in their hands, and now they had a they were in a position to travel and move somewhere. So the cities of Europe uh, developed out of that the impulse to leave the primitive world of, of rural life and feudalism in order to embrace something new. And what was that new thing? The new was new thing was communication. Contact with other people, uh, choice, money. It's in your hands. Now you can live a long life. And we figured out the relationship between public health and safety and freedom. We realized they were all the same thing and we could do this together. So the great cities of Europe all emerged, you know, after the end of the last Black Death, you know, starting in the middle of 16th century and so on. Then, and then the travel began, right? Boats, technology, let's discover the new world. And it's like 500 years of progress, 500 years. And they all culminated in the greatness of our great cities, Chicago, Los Angeles, Dallas, New York. Um, to, to, and then to, to, in addition to Paris and, and, and London and so on, um, this is how we learn to live. Human contact, trade, travel, uh, communication, learning from each other, closeness, exposure to pathogens, right? Upgraded our immune systems. We got better and we got healthier. And that's been going on for, for centuries until suddenly a bunch of fanatics took over the world now 19 months ago and told us, no, that's not the answer. It's not to, not the cities. It's not exposure. It's not communication, it's not contact, it's not touching, it's not diversity, it's not heterogeneity. Go back to your tribes, move to the rural areas, move to the suburbs, stay home, stay safe. Right? This is a different worldview. There's modernity and civilization on one hand, and freedom, and there's primitivism, uh, stay home, stay safe, uh, uh, um, I would say, like, um, you know, the, the worship of the, of the rule and the absence of human contact, social distancing. Um, that's the other worldview. Social distancing is not just a little instruction they gave you last year. It's a worldview. It's an ideology. And it's terrifying. And if we pursue it far enough, we will destroy everything we love. All the achievements of human civilization will be in the past and we'll be living forever off the achievements of, of what we've done over the last 20 years. Uh, we'll be the new Cuba, right? So you remember the Cuba when the communists took over Cuba? Everything froze. That's us today. We're freezing. We're freezing in place. How much art have we lost? How much technology? How much knowledge? Brian, this cannot last. Like, we need to fight. We need to fight like if you've never fought before for freedom and human rights. Like, now is the time. This is not a parlor game. 
We're not pretending anymore. We're not just going to conferences and arguing with people about small points of libertarian philosophy. That's not the issue anymore. We're fighting for the fundamentals of what it means to live a civilized, safe, peaceful, and prosperous life. That's everything that's at stake. It's not about the right. It's not about the left. I don't care uh, who my allies are in the struggle. If you're for openness and you're for freedom, I'm for you. There's no more time for factions and uh, differences and uh, uh, tribes. This is it. This is the great crisis of civilization. It began March 2020. It continues today. Um, not only that, but I believe we can win it. I believe that I do not believe that there's forces more powerful than people that are ruling the world. We need to figure out the, the path by which we can become the operating authors of our own history. We need to figure this out. I, I'm not here to give the advice on exactly what this is. It's just that everyone in his or her own life is faced with an opportunity to do something right now. And if all of us do something, we can change the trajectory. And we have to in our own interest, in the interest of our children, even if you don't have children, in the interest of the state of the world. What they're driving us back to is terrifying. We must reject that view. We have to we have put to. it back together again. Can't agree more. Jeffrey Tucker, as always, a pleasure. You can go to brownstone.org and read all the amazing work that Jeffrey is doing. Or if you want to go ahead and just find more about Jeffrey, click the uh, the awesome artwork here in the show notes. It'll bring you right over to briannicholshow.com where you can check out not only today's episode with all of our uh, awesome show notes, including Jeffrey's uh, social media tags, but also entire transcript of today's episode. So that being said, Jeffrey Tucker, as always, a blast. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. My pleasure. Have you back, please. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with the one and only Jeffrey Tucker from the Brownstone Institute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do me a favor. Go ahead and make sure you give it a share. And when you do, make sure you go ahead and tag Jeffrey, but also give yours truly a tag as well at B Nichols Liberty. But with that being said, make sure if you did not get the chance, head back and listen to, yes, every single episode. We go seven days a week here on the Brian Nichols Show, so make sure you head back, and uh, if you missed any of our episodes, make sure you go ahead and hit that download button so you're not missing any of the awesome content from our conversations with Chris Goizetta, one-on-ones with yours truly, and of course, amazing guests who, dare I say, educate, enlighten, and inform, and of course, continuing with that theme, coming up here on Saturday, we have a, a long-time friend, and it's been a long time since she's been on the program, one Kimberly Ross. She returns to the program to do one of our solo shorts. So that being said, thank you, folks, for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. It's Brian Nichols signing off for Jeffrey Tucker. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lima, 
Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.